The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to entitle my message today, Waiting on God's Guidance. And I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 10 and 11. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. Now there are some phrases in these verses that appear to be out of sync. They don't seem to fit together. That is what we would ordinarily think as cause and effect is not the case here. But notice the first expression. Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant? That's stated in the form of a question. And when that question is asked, who among you feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant? Every member of this church should be able to say, I do. If you can't say that, you ought to repent. Because to fear the Lord is at the very heart and core of what it means to be a Christian. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm -hmm. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. You cannot fear God without keeping his commandments. If you don't obey the Lord, you don't fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to have the utmost reverence of Him. To recognize that He is the sovereign of the universe. To understand, according to Psalm 115 and verse 3, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. To fear God is to recognize that He has more power than any other influence in your life. He has more power than any other uh, source of power that would attempt to destroy you. So every child of God that has just a little understanding of who God is ought to fear the Lord and keep His commandments. And I hope that is the mindset of every member of this church. That I recognize 
that life will go well when I reverence God to the point that I am determined to obey his word. And if that'll be your mindset, things will go well. But this verse seems to be out of sync with that. Let's read this entire question. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Now we ordinarily think of God as being light, and he is. We normally think as the gospel being that which brings life and immortality to light. Throughout the scripture, light is representative of God's way. It's representative of the direction of his word. Darkness is associated either with the unregenerate or with his children walking in disobedience. In Ephesians, it says that uh, we are the children of light and we're to walk as children of light. But this says, who is among you? In other words, this question would not be asked unless someone falls into this category. And I venture to say there may be someone here today that falls in this category. I believe I have experienced this. Who among you feareth the Lord, obeyeth the voice of his servant, yet walketh in darkness and hath no light? So obviously the darkness under consideration here is not the same as the darkness that you may be in as a result of disobedience. And obviously the light under consideration here is not the insight and direction that's a consequence of obedience. Here's someone that's already come out of darkness. Here's someone that's already walking in the light of the Lord. So what does he mean when he says, he walketh in darkness and hath no light? It means that there is no, uh, there's nothing that uh, indicates that my problem is being resolved. I'm trying to do what's right. God knows my heart. He knows I'm sincere. He knows I'm trying to listen to the preacher because he speaks here about Who among you feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant? This would be likened unto someone here who because of your reverence for God, you revere his word and you dare not walk against it. And when Brother Chris or when any other minister preaches, you follow the word of God and you check out what he says. And if it's in agreement with the word of God, you follow it. And yet it seems like there's no solution to your problem. 
It was quite common a hundred years ago for ministers to say that they believed that God's children occasionally went through seasons of darkness that have no explanation. Have you ever felt like that? Lord, if I'm, if I'm disobeying your word, I want to know where I'm out of step. But Lord, I, I don't see any corrections I need to make. We all know there's uh, constant improvements, but in terms of trying to address a particular problem according to God's word, you may say, Lord, I'm doing all I know to do. But yet it seems like things are no better. I don't know how this is going to be resolved. I don't know what the solution is. It seems impossible. I'm in darkness and I have no light. What do you do in a situation like that? Maybe you lost your job because you wouldn't compromise your integrity. Maybe you think I ought to be married by now. Brother Chris talked about that. And you say, Lord, I'm looking for the right kind of person. I want to be married. Nothing's happening. Maybe you've done everything you know to do in bringing your child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but they're living in open rebellion. You say, Lord, it seems like there's no correlation between obeying your word and getting a good outcome. Have you ever felt that way? Some people that won't even trust the Lord to begin with. For example, if, if someone's offended by someone, they'll say, well, I know uh, I'm supposed to go to them, but that won't work with them. You don't understand them. They go ahead and make up their mind they're not going to do what the Lord says. Well, it doesn't matter whether it will work with them or not. All that matters is you doing what you're supposed to do. Amen. That applies to life in an overall way. You can't control other people. God's not going to hold you responsible when other people don't respond in the way the Word of God would have them to. Your job is to obey the Lord no matter what. And that's the counsel that he's going to give here. The person that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant, yet he walketh in darkness and hath no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Amen. You remember in John chapter 6, when Jesus made that salient point that it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And many were offended by those words. Verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning 
who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, from what time? From the time that he preached salvation by grace. From the time that he said, when it comes to the new birth, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. From the time that he said, no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. It says from that time, many, not a few, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. If you've obeyed, if you fear the Lord, and you've obeyed the voice of his servant, but it seems like things aren't getting better, where else are you going? That's right. Amen. You're going to turn to the council of the world. The scripture says some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord. Notice how this is described in Isaiah chapter 30. Or rather chapter 31. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Egypt is a type of the world. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. You see, in that time, uh, horses and chariots were indicative of great strength as far as worldly things were concerned. Here was a mighty force as far as the strength of man is concerned. He said they, they stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Notice he gives a little more detail in Isaiah chapter 30. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. And that covereth, that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. That walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. You think you're confused now? Go down to Egypt. You'll learn what confusion's all about. Because you won't find any solution there. So where else are you going to go? That's a humbling fault, isn't it? Amen. I fear God. I'm obeying the voice of His servant, but I'm walking in darkness. 
I have no light. I don't understand what's going on now and I don't see any solution in the future. But I have nowhere else to go. The Lord has the words of eternal life. And I believe in principle that would apply to spiritual things in general. Here's where the answers are. Here's the permanent solution. Here's the real answer to the problem. Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How about you? Are you there yet? Now God's not out to destroy you. But Job is saying, no matter what, I'm going to trust God. I want to be that person, don't you? And if you've, and, and as a matter of fact, I want you to understand, and we'll see this in the New Testament, that one of the reasons God suffers you to go through this is so you will come out on the other end like Job. Job was an upright man. He feared God, didn't he? But look what he went through. And he came out on the other side, and you know what he said? I abhor myself. And I repent in sackcloth and ashes. That's right. Now, Job didn't start out arrogant, but you know, it's so easy in our flesh to say, well, you know, I'm obeying God, and that's why things are going well. God's always going to work in a way that you don't get the glory. Amen. You know, even when it comes to salvation. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, near the end of that chapter, he says, but of him, but of God are you in Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the world. He is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. He is all of your salvation. You're not a part of it. But it says God works in the way that we might glory in the Lord. And in our experience, we are prone to build up dross. Not necessarily that we're living in sin or that we're walking away from God. But just because of our old carnal nature that never dies. It's always alive while we live in this world. And it's prone to, to, to influence us and, and keep us from being what we ought to be. So God puts us in a place or suffers us to be in a place that we feel helpless even in obedience. Right. And it's for your good. Amen. Oh, how prideful I would be if I said, you know, the Lord's blessing my ministry because I read God's word and I obey God's word. You know, God is predictable. Yes. We reap what we sow. That's right. But he's also sovereign. Now, I'm not God. I can't figure out how he can suffer this to be my lot and yet at the same time not violate his word. But God's character is far, far beyond our understanding. 
He often suffers us to go through trials. Right. What are you going to do? There's nowhere else to go. Right. He says, stay upon your God. That's right. You remember the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 when he wrestled with that man? Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. I believe that's significant. Sometimes we've got to be left alone, left to ourselves to learn what we need to learn through this experience of darkness. He says, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. You ever wrestled all night like that? You're all alone. You're saying, Lord, I'm trying to do right. It seems like things are getting worse. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled with him. Did you notice it says this man prevailed not against Jacob? You'd think it would be the other way around, wouldn't you? He prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And notice what Jacob said. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. How is it with you? Think about that in your relationship with the Lord. Are you going to say, Lord, I am not going to leave you alone until you bless me. And it doesn't mean you're making demands on God. It doesn't mean that you feel like you're superior to God. But rather you're like that woman that wouldn't leave the unjust judge alone until he avenged her. That's the way we ought to be. In Isaiah chapter 62, in verse 7, just want to consider this one phrase. Isaiah says in reference to God, and give him no rest. Give him no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. You know, that has to be the mindset of a church when they get down to very few members. Jerusalem is representative of the church. Don't leave the Lord alone until he establish and make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Somebody stayed faithful, didn't they? When the church gets low. I knew of a church where there was only two old widow women left. And you know what they did? Each Sunday they met on the front steps of the church. They didn't even go in the building. And they just prayed every Sunday, Lord, send us a pastor. And eventually that's what the Lord did. 
And the church grew. Now how many of us would be that determined? Give him no rest. Don't leave the Lord alone. Stay upon God. Wrestle with him. Even though you may say, Lord, I'm trying to do everything I should do in the church, yet things are going downhill. He says, uh, trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon your God. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 11. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 11. Here's what a lot of people do. Because we don't like to wait. In Lamentations 3.26, it says it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait on the salvation of the Lord. And the word salvation there is simply, uh, is simply uh, conveying the idea of God solving the problem. God delivering you. God bringing about resolution. God giving you guidance. He says it's good to hope and quietly wait. That's foreign to the world's thinking, isn't it? Yes, sir. I'm thankful that I learned that lesson in my youth. Amen. Because there were times when uh, there would be issues pertaining to my ministry that I had to wait on. But here's what a lot of people do. Behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. I'm going to solve this problem. If God don't, I am. If God doesn't do something, I will. Have you ever heard someone say, and I believe some people actually do this, even though they say it jokingly, I'm going to do something even if it's wrong. He says, behold, in other words, there are some people that do this. This is not a scenario that, that, that doesn't include someone. Right. He says, behold, all you that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. God says, okay, you go ahead. You go ahead and fix it. See how that works. You go ahead and try to obligate me to your timetable. You know, there are several places, and we'll look at one in a, in a moment, that says that uh, we will reap in due season. You know who decides when due season is? Not you. God. God knows when deliverance should come. Who are we in, in, in comparison to the God who declareth the beginning from the end, from the God whom it says that His knowledge is infinite, from the God that uh, is over the universe? Who are we to say, well, God doesn't understand, so I'm going to have to do something. Amen. You may not say that out loud, but that's what you're doing. That's right. That's right. I'm going to kindle my own fire. He says, this shall you have of mine hand. Here's what's going to happen to you. 
ye shall lie down in sorrow. Now, if you want to keep fighting against God, just keep wearing yourself out. God is teaching you to trust Him no matter what. No matter what. I'm going to obey God. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 in verse 10. Now I want you to think about this in light of that scenario, that situation when you're trusting, that is you're fearing God, you're obeying the voice of His servant, yet you're walking in darkness and hath no light. Think of that scenario under the counsel that Peter gives here. 1 Peter 5.10 But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Jesus Christ after that ye have suffered a while. Who decides how long a while is? Not you. God. After that ye have suffered a while Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Here is a strong, mature Christian. And most of us would never reach this point if we didn't go through the trials of life. Charles Spurgeon once said, I've never met a preacher that was worth anything who hasn't been through the fire. Amen. I agree with that. Give me a minister that's went through the fire of affliction that has been brought to the point that he feels worthless. I want to hear him preach any day over one that's never suffered. Because he will be humble He's dependent upon the Lord. His preaching will be sweeter, more kind, gentle. Not talking about compromising truth. We're talking about his manner and the way he can relate to people. If you have a pastor that's unapproachable, that's going to be an unhealthy church, isn't it? It'd be a shame if you have a, a pastor who's so successful... That he's such a spiritual superman that everything's always, you know, Brother Chris confesses all the time. <laughs> and I relate to that. You know, we haven't got our act together. <laughs> and if you felt like we had it together, you wouldn't feel comfortable talking to us. You would feel like he doesn't struggle like I struggle. Peter says, the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to these words. After you have suffered a while, he'll make you perfect. He'll make you mature. He'll establish you. That means you will become unmovable. He'll strengthen you. You'll be able to face that next time of walking in darkness 
with even more resolve to say, I'm not worried about how dark it, it seems. I'm just going to keep on following the Lord. And I like that last one, settle you. You ever said to your little children, they all settle down? You know, the Lord can just settle us down, can He? When I feel like the Lord's with me and I feel like that He's uh, smiling upon my efforts to follow Him, even though I may feel like I'm not doing anything right, He knows your heart. And He can just settle you down like a child. I want us to look at one hymn. I meant to bring a book in the pulpit. Number 444. And we'll conclude with this. We sing this hymn from time to time, and this is exactly what I've been trying to preach to you. Now, there's nine verses. I'm just going to look at the first three and then verse seven. We just want to read these to you, and you think about what we've preached. Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be. O lead me by thine own right hand. Choose thou the path for me. Smooth let it be or rough. It still will be the best. Winding or straight, it matters not. It leads me to thy rest. I dare not choose my lot. Can you say that? I dare not choose my lot. I would not if I might. But choose thou for me, O my Lord, so shall I walk aright. In verse 7, not mine, not mine the choice. If things be great or small, be thou my guide, my guard, my strength, my wisdom, and my all. I would ask that we sing those verses now and I pray that the Lord will apply this message to your heart. And if you're in the dark, even when you're trying to do right, just remember that situation is addressed in God's Word. And if it's addressed in God's Word, you can throw this back at Satan. You can say, Satan, there is no temptation taken me but that which is common to man. Satan wants you to say, hey, nobody's been where you're at. You're unique. I mean, you're messed up. You're out of the will of God. Nobody else has got themselves in the position you're in. That's Satan's lie. Brother Austin, come on up here. Let's just sing, sing this song. Sing those, what is it, the first three? There's the seventh seven verse. Okay. We'll just sing these songs, this song, and then we'll, we'll have another song to close out on. This okay. is not our invitation to him. This is just sing this together. Verse 3 and verse 7. Okay. Verse 3 and yes, 7. Mm-hmm. That's right. 444. Mm-hmm. Number 444.
We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.